everyone, and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be recapping the Thunder's latest game against the San Antonio Spurs, Josh Giddy, and another historic performance from him. Going to be talking Trey Mann as well, and I'll round it all up with a primer for the upcoming All-Star Weekend slate. And like always, guys, got a special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook in this one, so you do not want to miss out on that. But kicking things off here with the San Antonio Spurs game, on the surface level, kind of seems like a game that doesn't have a lot of implications. You have the Spurs that always tend to be in the middle ground, and then you have the Thunder, who entered this game on a pretty hefty losing streak. Now, they did win their last one, of course, in the Garden. But prior to that, they lost five games in a row. So going in one out of their last six games, and they have one game left till All-Star break. But when you read into the finer details, this was an interesting match because San Antonio comes in with 22 wins, 36 losses, and OKC at 18-39. and 39. If OKC is able to flip the script and catch a W... You start to get, you know, the Spurs into some decent tanking positioning. So those had some implications. But obviously the big storyline heading into this game happened to be Josh Giddy's two consecutive triple doubles and Trey Mann's 30-piece in the garden. So a lot of hype surrounded this one. They got to come back home to wrap things up. But prior to uh, this All-Star break, and you get going with the game, and it's a lot of a feeling out process. San Antonio starts out on top for the majority of this quarter. And what really set it off for them, because they were around like two to six, maybe five points with this lead. Uh, and, and then they went on a nine to three run that was able to open up the floodgates. They had a nine point lead hovering around that 10 point double digit margin. And then with three minutes to spare, Mark Dagnall calls upon Lindy Waters. And he gets some buckets. He instantly comes out there, hits a pull-up from the left wing. This was his money shot with the OKC Blue. This is also kind of funny to me because Lindy's shot mirrored Rob Edwards' shot in his debut when he got his first career bucket. Lindy copies and pastes it, gets the exact same result. So he gets his first career points in the first quarter, and he was not done. Off of a scramble, Teo Maladone comes up with the basketball. He crosses the timeline with no one in front of him. Gets to the cup, has a man in his face. Does a beautiful dump-off pass to Lindy Waters again. And he flushes it down with two hands. Five points in his first three minutes in the game. And he adds himself to the record books there. Hell of a story. I'm probably going to have to give a a full-on breakdown on his story in the next week or so. Starts out with the in and outlaws, has to move up a peg over and over again, had to go to a tryout for the blue, clung on to the summer league roster, barely played to open the winter showcase cup, but then he took the starting gig, found himself on an NBA court on Wednesday, and was able to contribute. So it gave him a spark, and it made the game manageable. 34 to 29 going into that second quarter. In the second quarter came Really in two separate segments. Now, the way that Dagnault runs his second units, and this is the same as last season, he always likes to start out with the straight-up twos. There's not really much of a mixture. Maybe you throw in Darius Baisley as that starter, but your routine guys, like if SGA was healthy, 
He's not playing here. Josh Giddy's not playing here. Lou Dort is out of the mix. And Jeremiah Robinson Earl, he might be that throw in, but majority of the time, you're looking towards a Favors or a Muscala to open the second quarter. So he just throws out a ton of these microwave guys, but with the injury report stacking a little bit high, he had to throw out really just an Oklahoma City Blue roster. Teo Maladone, Alexei Pokashevsky, Vit Kredci, they were all out there, and it worked out tremendously for them. Teo Maladone runs out there, drops nine out of the team's first 11 points. We're talking pull-up threes, getting to the foul line, wherever he wanted to, he was feeling himself. This was the best patch of play we've seen from him all season, and it pioneered a 16-7 opening run, giving them the lead. After that, however, tides turned a bit. So OKC, they're on this high horse, end up leading by four points at this stage. And then Teo kind of gets off the rails. He's not really involved in the offense anymore. You get the substitutions in and the magic was sort of gone. And San Antonio took advantage. They were taking anything they wanted and they were converting really anywhere they wanted as well. And they ended up closing the second quarter emphatically on a 32 to 13 run. So they dropped 39 points in this second quarter and it gets them up 15, 73 to 58. Nobody could control San Antonio. The only option that was viable offensively in that second frame really was Teo Maladone. But once he fell off, you didn't have that secondary or tertiary option. Teo had 12 in that second quarter. Remainder of the team chalked up 17. But it came at a 33% clip, 7 out of 21. On the flip side, San Antonio shot 58% in that second quarter and went 5 of 10 from downtown. So 15-point lead. The Thunder... That's kind of right at home for them. When they're down 15, they always seem to find themselves back into the conversation. But they didn't have the stars. Teo did have 14 points. He was the leader in that first half for OKC. Trey Mann was a little bit behind with 11. But San Antonio continued to spread the love. Four double-digit scorers going into that second half. And they continued to stay as one, jumping into the third. OKC struggled mightily getting the game down to single digits and it took them until the home stretch to actually tap this one into a competitive one they had to muster up an 11 to 5 burst it cut the game down to six you got to see guys like Teo come back into the mold again Isaiah Roby was feeling it I believe Josh Giddy helped close out the third uh, but they entered the fourth quarter down eight points 89 to 81 and based on how san antonio played in the second a single digit game looked extremely improbable because oklahoma city didn't look tremendous in this third quarter now were there some guys that had their own great stat lines respectively of course there were but eight point game that's a real toss-up the way san antonio just sneakily let it slip through their hands uh, was pretty damn crazy and they needed to get back on track going into the fourth quarter. And they were able to do so. OKC was sort of on their last leg here. But then they got the first rounders back into action. Josh Giddy 
and Trey Mann, they came into their own. Trey was hitting his step backs. Josh Giddy, who was nearing a triple-double the entire way, uh, was starting to look inside a bit more. So we saw a lot of the right-handed runners uh, just driving in off of the right wing, go straight to point A, point B. On Doug McDermott, that's going to be a bucket on him. So he was really feeling it. And it was a seven-point game in the final minutes. And then a possession later, you tick it down to five points. That is a serious ball game you have going on. And under their own basket, San Antonio botched the inbound pass. Teo Maladone came up with it. And then there was just straight havoc on the floor. Teo launches one up, hits the rim. You got a tip-in attempt. No good. Secondary tip-in attempt. They only logged three attempts here. But this basketball was in the air for what felt like four or five shots. San Antonio came down with the basketball. They got fouled. They started hitting their free throws. And they shut the door on OKC. So they ended up winning the game 114-106. to For OKC, that loss sticks them to fourth in reverse standing. Still, they are on an 18-40 and record. And this one came with some interesting stat lines yet again that make this a pretty good loss. And I'll go into that in one second here. But first, I'll let you guys know about the offer going on with my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests, and DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, bet just $1 on any NBA team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Void where prohibited, minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Red Line, that's 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. But moving on, guys. Want to break down the numbers from last night's game. This was an interesting one. Came down to the wire after the Spurs seemingly had it in the bag. At their highest, they had that 16-point lead coming in that second quarter, and they were able to keep it around double digits, like I noted, for the better portion of the third frame as well. Um, But yeah, like this is a game where you get the rookies back involved, 
and they still were going at it. They played the full 48 here, and it was a situation where Dagnall did throw the towel maybe like three minutes on tap with the game, but then Josh Giddy comes back out there. He gets the stat he's looking for and all is well, but prior to that point, they were still fighting tooth and nail, and the San Antonio Spurs still had to keep out their starters. This wasn't a match of OKC's ones versus San Antonio's twos. Popovich was laying it all out on the line, had guys like Keldon Johnson playing 36 minutes, Jakob Pertle had to play 32, Basel played 33, and DeJounte All-Star Murray played 36 minutes. So, they had their typical, you know, 9-10 man rotation until the very end portion of the evening. And starting things out with Oklahoma City, you have to start with Josh Giddy yet again. Goes out there, has a killer of a first half, 7 points, 5 rebounds, and 5 assists. And quietly, he's back on track for a triple-double. And in the third quarter... He progressed even further. By the fourth quarter, he had triple nines damn near. He needed one bucket, one rebound, two assists, I believe, and you called it quits. He got the two assists. He had the points. He was hunting for a rebound. And once Dagnall called the game, he threw Roby back onto the bench. So he needed one more rebound. And then for whatever reason, maybe he got uh, a list of the accolades or some assistant must have told him. But Giddy needed one more, so they threw Giddy back out there, and he got a very easy uh, rebound. <laughs> now, he earned all of them. There are some rebounds I'll talk about in a second that were, like, insane for Josh Giddy to be grabbing. But, you know, you got to give him one more just to get him uh, a bit closer and to get him even more so into history. And he got there. So he got his third consecutive triple-double, had 17 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists, 8 of 18 from the floor, and he was killing Doug McDermott when running to the basket. Doug McDermott matches up size-wise with Josh Giddy. I'd say even agility-wise, you know, Giddy's not the fastest, neither is McDermott, but Giddy was getting the, the edge on him like anytime he wanted to. Just get a high ball screen up top. If they're looking to drop down or they're not heavy switching, Giddy was taking it to the basket, and he was putting it in and you know even when he did have an option to take the shot he threw a couple dump off passes down off those high ball screens and it was honestly the main reason how he got the 10 assists in the game but looking back at the accolades here with that third consecutive triple double only other rookie to have three straight triple doubles was oscar robertson in the 1960s so He's already in a very exclusive class. Robertson seems to get intertwined with some of OKC's guards a little often. Had Russell Westbrook back in 2017. He's making a reappearance for Josh Giddy, and Giddy has been playing at a very good level for a 19-year-old rookie. And that also makes him the first teenager to have this accolade since Robertson was not 18 when he put those numbers up. But he gets that. And then also on top of it, he's leading the NBA this month in triple doubles. With that third, he passed Doncic and Nikola Jokic, who had two respectively. I think that they both have games tonight, so it could be a two-way or three-way tie moving on into All-Star Weekend, but he's going to be sitting tied or 
on a throne for first in that category as of right now. And then as a result of not just this game, but the last two, he's positioned himself very well on the rookie ladder. NBA had him at five. They moved him up to four a week ago. Now he is in the top three. Just Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes are in his way right now. But talking a bit more on Giddy uh, and these assists, you know, every time I hop in these podcasts, I tell you like, oh, the cross court passes, this or that. But I really don't break down the dynamics of them. And, you know, you don't have the video portion, obviously. So that's one of the reasons why. Uh, but just breaking down all of them uh, can get a little bit lengthy. I wanted to do them for today's episode, though, because I thought it was really interesting on just how these were distributed. First up, I want to talk about Isaiah Roby. He ended up with three out of Giddy's 10 assists. Two of those came around the basket and one came off of a right-winged pick-and-pop three. Isaiah Roby's a very good guy playing off of screens, and this is something that became evident last season in the preseason. I'd say against the Spurs, that preseason game with Teo was really the breakout, and that's where I really set my foot down and said, you know, he deserves to be on that 15-man roster because he wasn't a surefire thing prior to that, but he's a really good roller. He's going to get that first step on his defender. Ended up with two of those shots. One of them uh, was a really funky, like, right-handed post hook, maybe eight feet away from the basket. Just a little flip shot, kind of came out of nowhere, but it went in for him. Other one was just a simple uh, throw down inside, and then you get him active when they're going to be doubling off the high ball screen. Giddy throw behind the back pass, and Roby swished it home. Teo Maladone, too. Mention him, the connection with Roby. Well, Teo's got one with Josh Giddy now, apparently, as well. He had two on the game. Both of those came from three. These are just simple catch and shoots for Teo. You know, you plug in SGA, kind of the same gig where he's going to be playing second fiddle. He's not the primary ball handler with these units. I will say, though, uh, he does like to control the basketball as that primary. Did a really good job stepping out as a secondary, though, on Wednesday. And even playing as number one, he flourished. He had some great stats, but he wound up with two. So did Trey Mann. And with his, you had a simple left corner catch and shoot shot. Giddy gets a screen up top. He sees Trey's man at the left corner kind of drop in. And that's a simple kick out to Trey. Wide open. Ended up faking Doug McDermott a little bit because he was supposed to switch from the left wing. Froze him up. And then he just took it, hit it home. And then there was another play, this time at the right corner, where Giddy starts out at the left wing. He gets a ball screen from Isaiah Roby. And Jakob Pertle, who got switched on to man, started creeping inside. And this was because, you know, the Spurs were trying to hedge a little bit here. Keldon Johnson was the man who was supposed to go out on Josh Giddy. Uh, but before anything could formulate, Giddy sees Pertle anticipate the drive. And he lasers a one-armed right-handed bullet straight to Trey Mann. He had an open opportunity at the right corner, but he has a more flat-footed guy in Jakob Pertle. He just drives it in on him and gets it to go inside. Great seal off by Isaiah Roby on that other side because you had his defender and Johnson looking to sneak in and maybe contest. Wasn't going to happen with the seal, so... That was a magnificent play, not just from Josh Giddy, but also Trey Mann and Isaiah Roby 
uh, to really get those points to go down. And then Alexei Pokashevsky as well. He was here. And with Poku, if he's open, he'll take it. Uh, this play started off of just a top-of-the-key kickout. He's left wing, shanks it, but Josh Giddy did not give up on the play. Everyone ran back on transition except for Giddy, and there were four Spurs guys awaiting the rebound. Maybe they were just frazzled or shocked. No one was around, but they were letting the basketball sit in the air a little bit too long. Giddy slashes inside, steals the rebound, gets to the right corner on a one-on-four situation, and waits for stuff to happen. Lindy Waters comes down to the left wing, so you got two guys, but you can't really gun that. One thing though, parted like the Red Sea, paint is wide open, Poku darts inside from the top, throws an alley right over the head of DeJounte Murray, and it's flushed with two hands. What a beautiful play from Giddy! and then he had one to base, where it's an easy dunk right below the basket so eight out of his 10 shots or excuse me seven out of those 10 resulted in some form of a paint bucket the other three did come from distance and he finished the game with a grand total of 40 points to his name he accounted for 40 17 off of the his own makes and 23 off of what was given uh, from his other teammates so really all-around performance for him He's had that all this season, so props, but I just felt like it was worth really talking about. And because of it, he's second on the month for rookies and points with 16.4. 8.7 rebounds keeps him to second for rookies in that category. And 7.9 assists easily puts him first for rookies this month, and it makes him eighth league-wide. So he's been racking things up both at the franchise level, the historic level, and even just in the NBA.com advanced section, you know? So he's doing it big and small right now, but he's going to be going into All-Star Weekend high-stepping it because he has been crushing the competition in front of him. And Trey Mann would be the exact same. Now, he's not actually in any of the events, but he has been also on his own individual tear. 30 points in New York. He finishes with 24 points against the Spurs, 10 of 20 on the game, and he finished in double figures in both halves, 11 points in the first half, 13 points in the second, and he came into his own just like he did in the garden when it mattered most in the fourth quarter. He has such a tight handle to basketball and his shot off of the step back he just gets into it in the snap of a finger and he never really has any contest to it he goes three of five in the fourth gets eight points to go in and giddy also came in with eight points to position them late in the game if it was up to me i'd probably have man really close on the replacement list for the rising stars last one went to jonathan kuminga so I guess that one does actually make sense, but damn, he's been one of the top players this month, and I'm sure he'll be getting some sort of recognition if he continues to play at this level, and I'm sure with Isaiah Roby, that would also be the same. Roby has been playing in the G League heavily since we flipped into 2022, really played like a month there before getting recalled, and he wasn't playing a lot. Now, he was injured, granted, so you didn't get to see much action regardless. But as JRE 
got kicked out due to his injury. Derek Favors has been dealing with stuff. Same with Muscala. He's had to go back to his role of last season, which is the small ball five, and he is starting. This was his best game of the season, no doubt. Posted a season-high 17 points and 12 rebounds against the Spurs. Two points away from tying his career high in points. That stands at 19. But the play off of the screens have been magnificent. I've given breakdowns on it for literally the last two seasons. And I talked about it maybe 5-10 minutes ago with Josh Giddy. But the way he's able to kill some of these bigger guys. Jakob Pertl in particular. Last game, Mitchell Robinson was the man who got axed. They can't keep up with him. And if they're going to get drug up to that high, you know, maybe like 18 to 20 foot range off the high ball screens, you might as well call it wraps. They have to kind of sit down low, might have to hedge or straight drop back on these things. Uh, And if you're able to get maybe Trey Mann on those high ball screens, dropping down isn't going to work for you. You know, he's a killer from distance right now with Josh Giddy and SGA who have both been up and down as shooters. You might be able to get away with it on some nights, but you plug in a certified bucket getter from distance. You can't drop down. And then Isaiah Roby's options become even freaking better. So I've wanted him in the rotation. I know that Mark and everyone really is having to do some gymnastics to feed minutes at the five spot because you already have Jeremiah Robinson Earl. You have Favors. You have Muscala. And then you got Roby kind of just sing like he's he's there, but you can't put him at the five all the time. At the four and the three, you got Poku, Bays. So he's been the odd man out, but the way he plays, he never should have been. Hopefully, whenever JRE comes back, he'll still be a consistent rotational guy for the roster. And the same goes for Teo Maladone. Teo has fallen off the graces of the roster this season, played with the blue last month, averaged about 22 points and five and a half assists. So he got the call up, but he hasn't had that major game yet. He comes into this one and he has it. 22 points for the Frenchman. That's a season high for him as well. And he was playing just like he did last year year where he was controlling the offense for the majority of it and he was slipping inside we haven't seen him do that too often this year mainly because of the role and because the delegation like he'll only be out there as a catch and shooter with SGA or something or with a Ty Jerome Uh, but they gave him the keys and he was running with it lots of attacks inside we got to see a couple push shots and floaters but the biggest thing that I'm circling is the free throw line went eight of nine from the charity stripe that really bolstered him and then from distance he went two of five so from all three levels he was a factor uh, for Oklahoma City now the passing was kind of put on the back burner he only had two of those and typically that's where you find him uh, doing his best with the assist to turnovers but you can't fault him at all he was in a groove in that third or second quarter, excuse me, and OKC was able to just uh, stick around him, and it yielded some pretty solid results. I've never given up on Teo. When he was with the Blue, I was saying, you know, like he should have an opportunity with the battle with Ty. I think it is fair to say he lost it back in December, but the potential with Teo surpasses Ty Jerome, and I don't think that's much of a hot take, uh, to be honest with you, and. 
you know, for these teams that needed a potential low budget point guard for the future, I would have called Sam Presti last week. And I had that as like one of my rumors. Maybe someone like sticks in there, like the Wizards or something. No one did. And now he's playing the best he has all year. So keep him in the rotation. He played 29 this time around. I don't know if that's going to be really consistent considering Ty Jerome was out in the game, but maybe give him 20 minutes, toss him a bone uh, and see how he does post all-star break. But that was kind of the big deal. All the heavy hitters there. Poku ended up with 10 points and 10 rebounds. Bayes shot one of six, not his greatest game. And Wiggins in his 30 minutes went two of nine for seven points. But OKC's positioned themselves fourth. They've kind of been stuck here for reverse standings. When you look at who's behind them, Indiana's a game back. Sacramento's three games back. And San Antonio is four and a half games back at that seven spot. So luckily, some separation has been made. You got to be looking towards who's ahead though. And Houston is at three, one and a half, or excuse me, two and a half games ahead of the Thunder. And with the Thunder, they're going to be out of action for about a week here. But that doesn't mean the fun is put on hiatus. Have some participants in this weekend's all-star break. And it's coming from the one, the only Josh Giddy. And opening the week, you got the celebrity game. I saw on NBA 2K, they're putting rappers in the game now. Ronnie 2K has his own card. Now, I don't play that game. I don't have the newest one uh, just because I I have a problem (laughs) Um, and I'm not good at it anymore. But yeah, like they put them in there. They'll probably be out there on the floor a bit here and there, but they're trying to market it. Uh, They got that game at 6 p.m. Central, but the big one, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, you have Josh Giddy participating in the Rising Stars game, and he was selected to Team Worthy. Cole Anthony's there, Marjan Beauchamp, Jalen Green, Herbert Jones, Tyrese Maxey, and Jalen Suggs are there to round out your roster. Lots of guards going to be relying on Herbert Jones uh, at the five. Giddy, I would assume, plays the three or four and has significant minutes on the roster. When I look at this team, Jalen Green is one of the people I highlight. Of course, Giddy's there too, but oh, what a high flyer he is. And with the way Josh Giddy passes the basketball, there's bound to be some fireworks, especially in a game like this where it might not be that high stakes anyways. Additional guy to watch, Marjan Beauchamp. He's been rising up a draft boards with the G League Ignite. Six foot six, shot creator. A lot of people don't see him as a lottery prospect because he's solid at a lot of things, but not necessarily great right now. I haven't been able to do a deep dive on him yet this year, but also I'm curious to see what the hype about uh, is with him. And then you got all the other guards like the Suggs, the Maxis, the Anthonys. I'm sure they'll be running fairly well with Giddy. Would be nice to see him as that primary uh, initiator for the team and see where it goes because he is riding the best streak of his young career. The way this thing works, 28 players, four teams, seven on each roster. Three games will be played under 
a format, it's a tournament, so just picture like the final four, yeah, so you got those two games, championship match, winner takes all right there, and these three games are getting played to 75 points to honor the 75th anniversary of the NBA, and with all these young guys out there under a new format, I'm really stoked to see how things go down, and I'm stoked to see what the winners take home, sponsored by Clorox, I don't really know if they'd be giving out like lifetime supplies of bleach or whatever, but um, might have a really nice trophy to hand out to the winners of the evening. Moving on to Saturday though, this is my personal favorite. Now, have events fallen off? Yeah, like slam dunk contest has not been the same since Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine went toe to toe. Three point contest always seems to be good, uh, but I always kind of hold out hope for Saturday and I think it will be good it's gonna start off with a bang here for Bricktown fans you have Josh Giddy back again for the skills challenge now he is one of four rookies to compete in this event Giddy's here Mobley's there Kate Cunningham and Scotty Barnes will round out the roster with Evan Mobley he's not actually with this group uh it's three teams of three players so Mobley will be on a three-team grouping of the Cavaliers the Thanasis Brothers will make up a team, and you got the Rooks with Giddy, Cunningham, and Barnes. Stoked to watch how this unfolds. Giddy is one of the best, uh, and I think for a skills challenge format, he'd be doing a hell of a job off the passes. The one thing comes down to speed. However, I will mention, with these skills challenges, bigs have won a lot of the time. So it's not just straight getting past like the moving, or not the moving, the stationary like practice guys you know you can dribble around them all you want it's getting the pass down and it's hitting the three on the other end giddy hasn't been great from distance he's shooting 30 percent roughly this month but in an open gym format i'm sure giddy uh, will be able to get it down he's really been working on his touch there so he might be a favorite we'll have to check the lottery odds or the um the vegas odds before we go into it but yeah i i think he'll hopefully make it past round one <laughs> Uh, and see how it plays out from that point after that three-point contest and dunk contest are going to round things out Jalen Green in the dunk contest I know I obsessed with him this past summer in the draft process but oh my gosh can he fly haven't seen a lot of the posterizers yet from him in a Houston Rockets jersey but I bet there will be some highlights for him I'll peg him as my favorite and then on Sunday you have the all-star game no OKC Thunder members in this one. Even if SGA was healthy, probably say he'd be on the outside looking in, considering DeJounte Murray had to fill out the roster for the Western grouping. Um, but yeah, we'll get to see a nice view there. No James Harden, sadly, so you don't really get to catch much of that smoke. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll get to see LeBron's roster go against a team in KD's that doesn't even have Kevin Durant but it will be a fun string of events we got the Phoenix Suns back on the 24th so you want to mark your calendar for a week's time on the 24th but this is kind of when everybody relaxes and you get the much needed break for a Thunder roster that is extremely young 10 guys 23 or younger on hand they could use the breather and for a lot of these guys that are hurt they could use some of that recovery time but I'll keep you guys posted on the All-Star festivities. Should be getting some content out to you guys throughout the week. 
But other than that, though, guys, that is going to do it for today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.